A friend of mine a while back called me a philosopher, which kind of struck me as odd. Maybe a philosopher born in the wrong time is what he meant. I'm an enthusiast of history and philosophy, sure, but I'm not so sure that I'd call myself a philosopher. I haven't reinvented the wheel by any stretch of the imagination, I've just learned some things by listening to others, have discussions, and reading things here and there, thinking about it for a while, and sharing it with the audience that I have. So while I appreciate the compliment he gave, I'm not so sure that I'd agree with it. I'd at best call myself a teacher, a share of things I've learned. And when I say teacher, I don't necessarily mean the typical K-12 through kind, maybe more the mentor kind. Not that K-12 through teachers can't be mentors, but you know what I mean. And I'm not even sure if mentor is the right word, but it's just what I'm coming up with right now. So, speaking of sharing things, I had some decent feedback from a couple episodes back where I talked about the relationship between the bronze serpent and the crucifixion, and the deeper meaning of those two things. And on top of that, life has been going on for myself and people in my life that, you know, from those I've known for a long time to the people I've met this year, and it brings all of its hardships to bear, and we all press on despite our struggle. So, here's something. I used to work in education, and I'd somet- I sometimes wonder how my old students were doing. And if you have reached out to me, which I'm always touched by because I'm always my own worst critic in anything I'm doing, but it tells me, or maybe it's God telling me, I'm not sure, that whatever I was doing, something must have been going right that I was doing for them to reach out. And this has happened over the last couple of years. Someone will reach out and ask me for advice, for example, on physical health, because maybe it'll improve their confidence and mental health. Or that they have a big goal in mind, but their focus is so scattered that they can't accomplish anything. Then I'll talk to them about taking baby steps, say, in fitness, or in accomplishing a particular goal. And that if they can stay consistent with it over the course of, say, a year they'll be in such a better place. Like if you were to improve your your situation by just 3 to 5% each week. If you do that over the course of one or two years, you'll be in such a different place, you, you won't even recognize where you are. And I mean that in a positive way. Because it's better than the alternative, which is to stay where you are and put no effort or only mediocre effort towards a goal. You only get one life, and we're all going to die eventually, so you might as well do something worthwhile that you're willing to sacrifice your life for. 
Now, what I mean by sacrificing your life is that you dedicate your life to an ideal of high worth. You offer the appropriate sacrifice. It's like making a deal with God. If you make the appropriate effort or sacrifice, this is the word I'm going to be using today, and you're fully committed and faithful to it, then you'll be rewarded. And this is something that I found interesting in both the stories of Cain and Abel and the story of Abraham. And I'm going to start with Cain and Abel because in a sense, in a sense, they're actually the first two humans. Adam and Eve were created by God. So in some way they don't count. But Cain and Abel were born. The two brothers never experienced Eden. They only knew the world. So in a way, human history sort of begins with them. Especially when you look at the story, because it's a human story. And just like with any story in the Bible, there's a surprisingly deeper and richer amount to it. And especially with this one, despite it being such a short story. So, here's, how, here's the first part of the story. And Adam had relations with his wife Eve, and she gave birth to Cain. With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man, she said. Later she gave birth to Cain's brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, while Cain was a tiller of the soil. So in the course of time... Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord, while Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but he had no regard for Cain and his offering. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Why are you so angry, said the Lord to Cain, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires you, but you must master it. So what's happened here in this first little segment? Why did God look favorably on Abel and not Cain? Cain was offering God a portion of his works. He was making a sacrifice. But he wasn't offering the best portions. In the text, Abel is offering the best portions of his flock. Abel trusts that by sacrificing the absolute best that he has to offer, that God will look favorably upon him and provide for him in turn. Cain doesn't demonstrate this. He offers food that he has told from the soil, But it isn't the best that he has to offer. He keeps it for himself. And depending on how you want to read into it, he doesn't trust God to provide for him. Or that maybe he's greedily trying to work the system when he and God both know that he could do better. So Cain goes and has a chat with God and asks why he isn't being favored the same as Abel. And God basically says to him, you know damn well why. Your sacrifices are half-hearted, and now you have the gall 
to complain to me about it instead of realizing your own mistakes. And then God says that sin is crouching at Cain's door and that it desires him. There's a few ways you can interpret that. One way, I think, is when your conscience tells you that what you're doing is wrong and you ignore it and you do it anyway, thinking you'll avoid the consequences. And it's not just that sin is at the door in this sense, it's being invited in, in this case, by Cain. A sort of twisted, kind of malignant pact is made as a consequence. And that's something that's very wrong. Because in one way or another, you'll pay for your mistakes. Especially those that you knew were mistakes, but you did anyway. Now what paying for those mistakes will look like, God only knows. Maybe you're racked with guilt for a long time upon realization that you were willfully not living up to your ideal. Now ideally, <laughs> is that you, if you find yourself in that sort of predicament, you realize what you've done is wrong, you go away for a while, say, and think about what you did. You resolve yourself to not make that error again. And you come back and make the proper sacrifice that you know is the best sacrifice you can make. But that's not what Cain does. And so the story continues here. Then Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I do not know, he answered. Am I my brother's keeper? What have you done? replied the Lord. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield its produce to you. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. But Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, this day you have driven me from the face of the earth, and from your face I will be hidden. I will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Not so, replied the Lord. If anyone slays Cain, then Cain will be avenged sevenfold. And the Lord placed a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I found out from reading this story, I used a website called Bible Hub. I found out that Nod means to wonder. So it's kind of like Moses in the desert. Cain's in a place of nothingness. He's, he's lost. So after his little chat with God, he goes to his brother Abel and says, let's go out to the field. He leads Abel out and kills him. 
I've seen a few different paintings of this event, and they portray Cain bludgeoning his brother to death with either a stone or a club. But the point is, is that he's killed his brother. Out of envy. And jealousy. And God banishes Cain and puts a mark on him so that no one will harm him, which you could think of as maybe an attempt to prevent a line of revenge killings. But something interesting to me is the notion that Cain brings up that his punishment is more than he can bear, in his own words. Abel, in this story, was the ideal. He was Cain's ideal. Here's the thought, conceptually. When you take something that you hold as as being of high value that you strive for and you destroy that ideal of your own volition you're left with nothing again to make a reference to Moses and the Israelites you're in the desert you have nothing now to strive for or to live for that's something to think about living life without an ideal, without something of high value that you're aiming for. You see and hear the spirit of Cain all the time in people today. You know, the kind of people who sit around and complain about their lives and many of those same people, not all, but many of them are the ones who would just work the system and probably take a handout. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't actual problems worth complaining and addressing in the world. That's not the point. The point is, when you want to do something that you feel called to do, but you aren't making the appropriate sacrifice towards it, that's the spirit of Cain. But if you do give your best portions, you will be rewarded. And just as I made a comparison of the bronze serpent and the crucifixion, the best portion was put on the cross. So I'm going to leave this here for now, but I'm going to come back next time to this idea of sacrifice and the idea of impressing it upon those younger than us with Abraham in the next one. So until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>